0: Welcome to the NRL Weekend Wrap Podcast for the Preliminary Finals. We started the year with 17 teams. We now know who our two teams are in the Grand Final. Unfortunately, as a Warriors fan, it was not to be us. But congratulations are in order to the Penrith Panthers' fourth straight Grand Final as they hunt three consecutive Premierships. And the Brisbane Broncos, who fell off a cliff last year, they're still coming off the darkest era in the club's history. And whilst the Broncos, they were looking for something, something to help kickstart their fortunes again. South Sydney just went, here you go, have Adam Reynolds. Broncos, Panthers. I think if you want to take the neutral approach, or me as a Warriors fan, taking a neutral approach, this is the best possible grand final in terms of the game itself. And I think it's pretty clear these two were in a league of their own. There was a gap most definitely between the top two and the other sides. We saw that throughout the season. We saw that here during the finals. And if you've been listening to the pod all year, uh, you would know that I broke the season down into five. Regular season three, Uh, so rounds one to magic round, magic round through origin, and then origin to the final series. Those are the three phases. Now plenty of teams, I said, would have three phases of football to get to finals. But then there would be a fourth phase, finals begins, you have to find that next level. We saw Panthers, Broncos do exactly that. And the fifth and final level, Grand final day to go to that extra gear for 80 minutes, everything on the line for the premiership. And I mentioned last week, uh, in terms of that fifth gear required to win a premiership, trust me with this theory, I've won zero NRL premierships, so I know. Uh, But to get to that fifth gear, I felt like it was pretty apparent that Panthers and Broncos seem to be the only two teams that would have that in them so the fact that they are meeting it is going to be a fantastic grand final uh today though about the prelims all my grand final week content i uh, will be coming out in a couple of days like the preview for the game itself but today weekend wrap we're going to go through talk about the prelims i want to keep it to around an hour today so i apologize if i do miss anything uh, it may take a little bit over an hour. But we'll see. I want to fucking keep things moving. So I should probably stop lagging on this intro. What's in store for today? Going to start with the performance highlights from this past weekend. Then we'll jump in to both of the games from preliminary final weekend. And that'll be it. We'll finish off. Uh, I'll give you a bit of a look at what's to come podcast-wise this week. We've got the end-of-year podcast. Uh, Our equivalent to the Deli-M's, except it's not really an award. It's just, I call them categories, because I'm like, one, I don't have a fucking physical award to give these players. Two, they don't even know of its existence. It just feels like a bit of a wank to call it an award. So I just call them categories, but similar thing. Player of the Year, uh, Team of the Year, things like that. Also, NRLW, uh, that'll be coming out. but. I'll do all the plugs at the very end. Just tell you uh, what to expect and when to expect it for grand final week. With that being said though, let's keep it moving. NRL Weekend Wrap Preliminary Finals. All right, let's get amongst it. Preliminary Final Performance Highlights. A player of the prelims is where we start. This one was tricky. This one was very tricky. I want to give an honourable mention to Nathan Cleary, who was right up there. Uh, Rhys Walsh as well. I thought he was enormous. Payne Haas, Isaiah yo, uh, But I've gone with Herbie Farnworth. Made over 200 metres, scored a couple of tries. Uh, as a Warriors fan, every time that ball went out to the left edge, Herbie was causing us All sorts of issues. We also had to watch Arthur's outside of him, Ezra Mam inside. Herbie Farnworth ran absolutely rough shot. Now, what's a bit interesting is that uh, news broke today that he's suffered a bit of a hamstring injury, first training of Grand Final Week. So, gee whiz, it all begins. I feel like it's not Grand Final Week without all this sort of stuff going on. Uh, But Herbie Farnworth, player, of the prelims. I thought he was just enormous. And what was his final game at Suncorp as a Bronco? So thanks a lot, Herbie, your English fuck, for ruining my weekend. Now for real though, Herbie is a superstar. I remember him coming onto the scene at the Broncos and kind of thinking like, okay, this kid's decent, but I didn't quite see him developing into the gun center that we see today. So, Dolphins bound next year, but my player of the prelims, Uncle Brian would be very stoked, Uh, Herbie Farnworth. There you go. Uh, Team of the round. Of course, only four teams taking part, uh, so this was a little bit easier than usual. Team of the prelims. uh, Reese Walsh, fullback. How could I not? I thought, like unfortunately as a Warriors fan, he really carved us up all night. Just kept breaking through the line, kept putting other guys into space, did exactly all the things we knew Reese Walsh had uh, at his disposal as far as attacking threats. He brought them all out. So thanks, Reese. Thanks for fucking leaving and then doing that shit to us in a prelim. But simply remarkable. And now Walsh finds himself in a grand final and seemingly... That fullback role was the missing piece of taking Broncos to that next level. Massive credit needs to go to Darius Boyd as well, uh, who's been working with Walsh all year at the Broncos. Uh, I don't think it's any coincidence that we're seeing Reese Walsh hit this type of form uh, after not just working with Darius Boyd, but also working closely with Billy Slater. Uh, So very happy, to see Reese Walsh reaching these heights. If I have my Warriors hat on, I'm a little bit less happy, but he's where he wants to be. He's with his family, near his kid, playing for the Broncos, which I assume is what he grew up thinking he was going to do, not play for the New Zealand Warriors. So he left us, damn, but I don't know. I feel like we probably wouldn't have got this Reese Walsh at the Warriors this year. I think his off-field life and being happy uh, away from the game, I think that's been one of the major contributors uh, of why Walsh has taken his game to that next level this year. So team of the round Reese Walsh at fullback. On the wings, Dellen Watteney and Lesniak, uh, the only warrior in there. He did his best, but unfortunately some great attack, some Questionable defensive reads, uh, but I've put Dylan in there. What a guy. Brian Toto on the other wing, hat-trick against the Storm. Brian Toto doing Brian Toto things. Of course he's in there. In the centres, I went Isaac Tonga, uh, who played at far less than 100%. I uh, still managed to have a cracking game against Melbourne and played a part on that right side of really unsettling uh, that combination of Olim and Remus Smith more than once as well. Uh, so Isaac Tungu and Herbie Farnworth are um, my centers in team of the round. Halves, I went Ezra Mam. Uh, the night before, Jerome Luai had a great game, but yeah, he was definitely playing injured, so we didn't see him take on too much of a hands-on role. I uh, was Munster, I thought had a good game, but in a losing side, had to go with Ezra Mam. What a season he has continued to have. Now, Ezra in only his second season of first grade is going to be playing in a grand final. Bloody good on him. That Broncos number six jersey as well comes with a lot of history, comes with a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations. So to see Ezra Mam come in as this raw, electric, young, attacking superstar and what he's been able to do uh, in terms of improvements across the board with his game. He now owns that number six. It's now at the point where other clubs are lining up and Brisbane are saying, well, we're going to have to upgrade your deal to keep you around. So Ezra Mam, team of the round. uh, I also believe he's right in the mix for team of the season. At halfback, Nathan Cleary. I just thought he was far too good against Melbourne Storm. Uh, Props. I want to give a quick shout out to someone who just missed out. uh, Tom Flegler. I thought was huge against the Warriors. Uh, Payne Haas, no surprise there. I feel like pretty much every time I do a team of the round, Payne Haas is in there. And James Fisher-Harris, who was instrumental from the get-go, at just coming out, shutting down those Melbourne forwards, getting Penrith on top, laying the foundation. They got off to that quick start, and then they never, never looked like losing. Uh, but that start was important, and it was James Fisher-Harris throughout that entire game who really made his mark and showed us why Panthers, Leota Fisher-Harris, a proven combination, and one of the all-time great front-row combinations, if they can keep these premierships up. Payne Tom Flegler, Fisher-Harris, Moses Leota. Holy dooly. A bit of a Hosfest coming up next weekend. Well, this weekend now. Buy me. Uh dummy half, Billy Walters. How good. How good was not even guaranteed a spot in the team this year. There was of course the Kevin Walters narrative of nepotism and oh he's only getting a run in the squad because he's the coach's son. Wrong. Billy Walters, if he had come out and been pretty ordinary, that chat would have intensified. Let's not forget, going into this year. Kevin Walters has a poor start. He could have been out the door by this time in the season. So Billy Walters comes in. There were so many things that could have gone wrong with it and led to unfair criticism. Yet Billy hasn't put a foot wrong. Team of the round scored a try against the Warriors. And now he goes head to head with Mitch Kenny. Has Billy, well, he looks to start adding to his resume. Dad's got six premierships. Billy. Looking for his first in the back row, our uh, Panthers back rowers. Similar reason with why I went James Fisher-Harris. I just thought they really led the charge, shut down Melbourne's forwards, and with that storm, never really had a chance. So back row Scott Sorensen and Liam Martin, and I went Isaiah Yo in the lock forward. Pretty close toss up uh, between Carrigan and Yo, uh, but I'll give Isaiah Yo the nod. So, team of the prelims, Reese Walsh, DWZ, Isaac Tungo, Herbie, Brian Totto, in the halves, Ezra Mam and Cleary, Payne Haas, Billy Walters, Fisher Harris, Sorensen, Liam Martin and Isaiah Yo. Team of the prelims, talking point, this one pretty easy, 2023 grand final, locked and loaded. We have our teams, That how could that not be the talking point? Penrith, I think a lot of us expected them to be here. Brisbane Broncos, well, I for one did not expect them to be here. Did they have the talent to do it? Absolutely. Did I expect them to put it together the way they have consistently over the entire season? No, I genuinely didn't. So what a grand final we have ahead. Plenty of storylines. Panthers, Broncos, that's your talking point. Moment of the weekend, uh, I reluctantly went with Giddy Up, Broncos grand final bound. I try to put bias aside when I do these, so my personal moment of the weekend was not this. Fuck me, this was like my least favorite moment of the weekend. But across the board, that is my moment. Giddy Up, Broncos grand final bound after everything they went through last year the drop off right toward the end to come into this season put it all together and it culminate by belting the warriors at suncorp it's hard hard to go past that so moment of the round broncos go from missing out altogether last year to grand finalists coaching masterclass i've gone with ivan cleary who is now into his fifth NRL grand final. Pretty remarkable. One with the Warriors, four with the Panthers. He is chasing his third premiership in a row. And now it's, it's quite funny seeing all, this article, all, the, all these articles of like, where does Ivan stand amongst the all-time great coaches? I'm like, I swear these are the same journalists that just a couple of years ago were bagging Ivan Cleary because he didn't have a premiership and he failed to do so. Uh, in the 2020 season so it's funny like critics a couple of years later totally changed their tune that's kind of how it goes but another coaching masterclass from ivan cleary let's not forget it is a difficult job to contain egos uh, to keep the team you know humble now you've got a team of superstars the best players in the world in their respective positions it can be easy to get ahead of yourself, to stop putting in that work, to lose the hunger, because you're already at the top. Yet, here they are, yet another grand final. And we can say, you know, Cameron Serraldo, he had such a huge part to play. Andrew Webster as an assistant had a huge part to play. We saw them both pick up head coaching NRL jobs. Ivan Cleary, once again, and look, he has a great team behind him, guys like Ben Gardner, Peter Wallace, but yet again, I mean, with the salary cap as well, you're forced to let go of Arpi Kurosawa, you're forced to let go of Viliami Kikau, it's the price you pay for being at the top of your game. And yet here they are once again in a grand final. And when you consider 2020, the Melbourne Storm, proving that they were still a level above this young Panthers, since that point, The tide has shifted. Now, it's Melbourne who are chasing Penrith, and it is the Panthers who have a clear discrepancy between themselves and Melbourne, formerly a powerhouse club of the competition. So Cleary, wonderfully coached, not just this year, but also specifically in that huge win over Melbourne. Tough stuff, I've gone with Payne Haas. He gets tough stuff most of the time. I'll tell you that much. Another massive performance, huge knock. Uh, And going head-to-head with Adenfenua Blake, I thought it was Payne who stood tall. Highlight season. Highlight season is reserved uh, for a club on the way out. Last weekend, it was the Knights. This weekend, my beloved Warriors. If you had told me pre-season this year that we would have made a prelim, I wouldn't have believed you. If you gave me the option and said, take it or leave it, you make it to the prelims, but you lose pretty convincingly. I would take it every single day of the week to go from second last, all the issues through the COVID pandemic, underachieving, not just through that period, but since 2011. It has been a long, long time since there has been any hope as a Warriors fan to the point where I was starting to lose hope. Now, I was never going to stop supporting the team. That wasn't an option. I was still watching all the games. But I'd lost the hope. Like, coming into this year, I was like, well, we'll be flat out even making finals. So, to see what we've done this year, which is only the start, this is only the start. New coach, Andrew Webster, he's the man for the job. Sean Johnson stepped up as a leader within this club easily career-best season. Uh, The signings worked out perfectly. The guys that were already there lifted their game. Mount Smart Stadium brought what I believe to be the best energy of any NRL crowd this year. You can't say it wasn't a highlight season. So whilst it is tough to bow out just before the grand final, it's been a highlight season. I did not see this coming at all. I would have been happy if we had got into the top eight, came eighth, and just got one finals game. The fact that we went this far, it's encouraging. The key is gonna be to keep that hunger, to come into pre-season and be willing to do it all again. And I think this is a team that can. I've been burned before, we have seen it before. In fact, after the 2011 grand final, I was thinking, this is only the beginning. Then we played finals once in between now and then, which was a first-week exit. So I'm stoked. I couldn't have asked for a better season. My belief is that with a footy team, premiership's so hard to win. Of course, Warriors have never won one. Uh, So my main kind of goal and pass mark, I want a good value season. I want my team to give me some value throughout the season, give me reason to get excited. And hopefully partake in the final series. Warriors did all of that this year. And I tell you what, we've got some young guns coming through the ranks. So, look, highlight 2023, I'm hoping it can be an even bigger 2024. Thank you, Warriors, for fucking giving me something to smile about this year, to be honest. Not that I'm fucking crying all the time or anything, but... You know, some days you just get up and it's like, uh, all right, I gotta go to work. Kind of can't be fucked. Need that little kick of maybe motivation or coffee. And I just get up and think, holy shit. Warriors are in the top four right now. Boom, smile on my face, ready to go, ready to take on the day. I said, thank you, Warriors. It's been epic. And I cannot wait to jump right back in for next season. New South Wales Cup 2023 Premiers are also included in this post. Rabbitohs, congratulations to them. I think it's been, what, like 60 or something years since their resies have won a New South Wales Cup or Premier League, I believe as it's been called. So that's a great job. Obviously, I don't think anyone had a more disastrous season uh, than the Rabbitohs. So good to see that they've got a few guys underneath. Uh, pushing for that role. Dean Hawkins, the captain. Uh, there's word that he's going to be pushing Lachlan Ilias next year to start the year in that seven jersey. Telus Duncan has been incredible. Massive fan of Telus Duncan. Best on ground, Blake Taff. I mean, you'd be pretty happy about that if you weren't letting him go to the Bulldogs. So, good pickup for the dogs. And speaking of the dogs, they are the Jersey flag. 2023 Premiers. So the under-21s belongs to the Dogs. I believe, I haven't actually gone and fully checked this. I'm pretty sure they also won the Harold Matthews competition. So Bulldogs, this is what I've talked about before. Of like, yeah, the NRL team looks pretty crap and they're struggling. Well, they don't look crap. They got some good players. But you know what I mean. They were, Tigers came last. I believe Bulldogs were the worst in the NRL this year. So to see they've got their under-21s up and rolling, their juniors as a whole starting to hum, uh, their reserve grade side hasn't done too badly this year. It's just gonna take a little bit of time, isn't it? We're gonna have to filter out some of the guys in that NRL squad, which look, when there are guys complaining about training being too tough, bingo, there you go. Fuck one or two of them off, bring in these young kids. And that's kind of the process that they are undertaking right now. And it's funny how this quite closely resembles the Penrith rise. Obviously, very different clubs, different junior bases, things like that. But I remember Panthers, when they first kind of started the rebuild, they signed a lot of different guys. Some considered journeymen, like I remember... Uh, Did Nigel Plum come over from the Raiders around that time? Kevin Nagama, uh, Clint Newton. There were quite a few guys that they signed who weren't marquee signings, but they really bridged that gap between Penrith being so poor they needed to totally rebuild and the Penrith we see today. Now, Bulldogs are making similar signings. Blake Taft, Jamin Salmon, uh, just to name a couple. I saw... Alex Safarth was linked, but apparently uh, that's not going to go through. Sio Tokiaho, I believe, is on his way to the Bulldogs. Kurt Mann, another one. Uh, so there's quite a few signings, and apparently more to come, uh, that are going to just stock up that Bulldogs first grade side. A lot of them, one-year deals. So that is going to keep the squad somewhat competitive, whilst we wait for teams like this Jersey Flex side, are to mature, develop, and be ready to take those spots in the top 30. I thought Karl Olawapu had a great game in the grand final. Good to see a talented young player, not kick stones. Was playing NRL this year. Dropped all the way back down to Fleg to build his confidence. Could have thrown the toys out of the cot and said, I'm a young superstar. I'm beyond Fleg. You need to at least put me in New South Wales Cup. He didn't do that. Went down, took the challenge on. And this is a beautiful stepping stone uh, for the Bulldogs on their road to success. So there's a lot to like. There really is. Maybe not with the NRL squad. But there are good times ahead. As uh, former Warriors and Broncos winger Denon Kemp likes to say, stay patient, Bulldogs fans. Like, seriously, though. Stay patient. Friday evening, Panthers 38, Melbourne Storm 4. So as far as the game itself, uh, look, going into it, many felt that Panthers would have to really mess things up to lose. And that was kind of what went down. We learnt uh, throughout the season there was definitely a gap between the top two sides and the rest, that being evident by the weekend's prelims, given that first and second played third and fourth, and we saw how big the gap was. Uh, So that was the case here. Melbourne, I just feel like with their pack, uh, they're probably one fry short of a happy meal, to be honest. Uh, Now Tarek Sims, word is that he is gonna be going uh, off to the Super League, potentially Catalan's Dragons, So with the Storm, what I'm most interested to see now is how they kind of regenerate over the next year or so and push back toward that premiership because we do know with the Storm, uh, they want to be in that window every single year. So with Melbourne, right now they're centres and probably one middle forward short is what I'd be looking at if I was them. Now, remarkable effort from Melbourne. Melbourne. To finish top four, when they lost such a void of experience, Bromwich Brothers, Felice Cafusi, Brandon Smith, that parlayed, uh, or was parlayed by Cam Smith, Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk. All these losses that it was like, oh, Melbourne, this is when they're going to you know, decline. Cooper Cronk gone. Here we go. Melbourne are going to fall off. Billy Slater retired. Now's the time Melbourne fall off. Cameron Smith gone. Now's the time Melbourne fall off. And it just hasn't happened. Uh, But I thought of all the years where there was potential for it to happen, this was the year. Uh, Because I know they probably knew in their heart of hearts one of either Harry Grant or Brandon Smith was going to go. So I think they knew for sure that it would be very hard to keep Brandon Smith. But I don't think that Melbourne... Uh, were quite prepared to lose the Bromwich brothers and Felice Cafusi. maybe one of them, but I highly doubt uh, that Storm were prepared to lose all of them. And it's pretty wild, given that it all happened so quickly. Melbourne, well, they had to look within their own ranks to bring the next guys through. That's exactly what they did. Trent Loyero, uh, Ali Katoa came over from the Warriors. Let's not forget, though, Last year, Katoa was in reserve grade. So it's not like they signed this huge name to bring over. They brought over someone with a lot of potential. And once again, the Melbourne Storm system, Ali Katoa. You know, we're getting the best possible version of him. So for the Storm, I think it's a massive success. Given that they would not have planned for such a void in their forward pack. So much leadership gone just like that. And we've seen in the past, you know, when Slater retires, you got Jerome Hughes, Nico Hines, Ryan Perpenhausen, Scott Drinkwater. Like Storm, they kind of had things ready for when that day came. Cooper Cronk, uh, he leaves the club. They start with Brody Croft. He was kind of the next one up. Things don't work out. That's okay. We'll just turn our fullback, Jerome Hughes, into a world-class halfback. When you see Munster, Cameron Smith retires. They already have Harry Grant ready and Brandon Smith, two international players. Uh, so that is one of the Storm's biggest strengths, is having guys ready. But I don't think they were ready for Bromwich times two to walk out and Felice Kalfusi. Uh, so I think that did take them by surprise. They weren't quite able uh, to forward plan around that and I think they fully expected that they would keep uh, Jesse Bromwich at the very least given that he was the club captain and you can really see without Jesse Bromwich like I said one fry short in that middle of a happy meal so remarkable achievement for mine what Melbourne Storm have done came into this year top four finish given everything I just spoke about And yeah, there was a gap definitely uh, between the Panthers and the Melbourne Storm. But now they go away. They'll have a full off season. The goal is going to be to close that gap, which is almost a foreign position to the Melbourne Storm, given that for over a decade, it's been other sides in the competition trying to close the gap between themselves and Melbourne. So now it's the Storm's turn. They have a lot of crucial cogs. I mean, a guy like Jack Howith, Far Longo, they do have some young guys uh, who they're going to look to bring in on a full-time basis. But across the board, great season, but those are the two areas I think they need, whether that is from within their own system or whether they look at someone uh, who could do this job, I think they need another middle forward, especially with no Tarek Sims. Now, they don't have to go all out You know, break the bank, Storm almost never do, anyway. uh, But someone like Alex Twal, I've seen he's free to negotiate with other clubs. Alex Twal, in my opinion, would be a fantastic addition to that Storm pack. But the other point in this team, the centres. Going into the year, it seemed very clear-cut. New Zealand international Remus Smith in the centres, Justin Olam... On that left side. By the time we got to finals, those two were playing in reserve grade. Young Tonomapea and Marion Seve had taken the roles uh, going into finals. Now we saw young Tonema get injured, Xavier Coates get injured. Uh, so Oleman Rima Smith came back into the side. And to be honest, they were carved up by the Panthers. Panthers exposed them pretty pretty badly. Which Not much shame in that. Panthers have exposed pretty much everyone at some stage or another. Uh, But I feel like the centers, what are they going to do there? Do we see Nick Meaney uh, transition into the centers next year? Not sure exactly what his role will be uh, if it's not fullback. So yeah, centers. Justin Olam. I'm not 100% sure what's happening there. He just doesn't seem... Like the same player he was. Uh, now, I think he did cop a couple of injuries, so hopefully with an off-season, he can get the body right and come back as one of the best centers in the game, which is how we've come to know Olin, Uh Remus Smith. Again, he started the year at right center and was, was out of the team by finals. Came back on the left wing, didn't have his best game. To be honest, neither did Marion Seve who'd beaten out both of those guys for the center position. So that's probably one area I'd be looking at if I was Melbourne. Who who are the centres? Do you want to have game breaking strike centres? Or are you happy just with the guys that are there? And I mean that very respectfully, even though it was not very respectful. But it's an important part of the field, right? Justin Orlem held it down. Remus Smith Seemed to be the perfect answer when he landed from the Bulldogs. Now, not sure what's going on. I'm trying to rack my brain right now, think about their Queensland Cup affiliate sides, the Sunshine Coast and uh, Brisbane Tigers, who actually won the Q Cup. I'm trying to think centres. I know Brisbane Tigers have Solomon Fatape, uh, I believe it's pronounced, who's had quite a good season in that left centre role. Uh, so maybe. They look into him. A guy like Grant Anderson has been playing at the Sunshine Coast. We've seen sprinkles of him. But, yeah, that still doesn't quite scream, this is your answer right here. Maybe Remus Smith-Olan, Olin, is the answer. Or Marion Seve, young tournament payer. But I do wonder, Jack Howith, gun, youngster in the back row, has played a bit of centre. Do they introduce Jack Howarth into the team in the centres? Maybe Suofar Logo, who looked amazing in the final round of the regular season. Uh, So Melbourne, really great job to finish where they did in the top four to get all the way to the preliminary final, given the challenges that they've faced. And now they've got an off-season to work it out. And I'm very curious uh, as to some of the moving pieces Around this puzzle. But that's about it with the Storm. I mean, as far as the game, uh, Panthers scored first, Justin Olam scored after in the 10th minute, and that was about as far as the competitive game went. After that, Panthers got a couple of tries, came out after the break, Liam Martin on fire, Cleary on fire, and they ended up running up a bit of a score on the Storm. So the gap was there for all to see. I've spoken about Melbourne and maybe some of the areas they'll look to address. As for the Panthers, clinical in every single aspect. I mean, you look at Brian Toto, Hattrick, Sunia Taruva really stood up. Jerome Luai, biggest talking point was that if Jerome Luai makes one tackle or even gets a little bit hurt, he's done. Well, he held his own uh, for as long as he was out there. Very handy to have Jack Cogger coming off the bench. Nathan Cleary just continues to have an unbelievable final series. Once again, just picked the Storm apart. Uh, But it was my key battle that I spoke about in the preview podcast, the Ford pack. That is where the game was won and lost, and Panthers from the get-go, they came out, they got on top of the Melbourne Storm forwards. And they just didn't let go. They just kept going hard at them. Scott Sorensen on that edge. Liam Martin. Uh, Yo Leota. Fisher Harris through the middle, and Storm just didn't didn't have the answers, unfortunately. And a pretty poor game by Melbourne's account. A lot of mistakes. They never even gave themselves a chance to beat the Panthers. So Penrith, we look at that body of work, and when you think back to 2020. It was Penrith who were these young, up-and-coming stars, hungry for success. Now, they're the benchmark. At the time when they were the young team, Melbourne were the benchmark. Well, now we can see Panthers have well and truly overtaken them. Funnily enough, the young, hungry squad is now the Brisbane Broncos, which makes for such an exciting grand final ahead, Uh, but Penrith... To qualify for four straight grand finals, Kikau leaving, Arby our leaving, Coaches leaving. I mean, the years before that, we've constantly seen uh, turnover with players. They had to lose Matt Burton because uh, they couldn't hold on to him. They just keep regenerating these stars. One goes out, well, you know, Talon May gets injured. Another comes in, Sunia Taruva. Spencer Lenu departing the club at the end of the year. No problem. Lindsay Smith ready to go. Young Liam Henry in reserve grade has shown that he's ready to go. So the production line keeps on rolling. And I wonder. I know they're losing Stephen Crichton. But they've kept Dylan Edwards. If they can manage to keep Jerome Luai. And if they can get a bit of a thing going. Where players stay for significantly less money than they could earn elsewhere they could keep a very strong team together and stay on top. The way I see it, the 2020s from 2020 to present, this era has been dominated by the Penrith Panthers. They came out here, just demolished the storm. They are in the grand final, and they are still the team to beat. On to the Saturday night game that my entire weekend was built around. Warriors travelling to Suncorp Stadium. Unfortunately, what has just been an amazing run has come to an end. But to the better team, quite frankly. like Brisbane, this entire season, their body of work has been deserving of a grand final appearance. From round one. They come out, they shock none other than the Penrith Panthers round one of this competition. They go through the entire year and they do not dip. I specifically remember Napier in New Zealand during the season. Brisbane, this was a game I thought they were going to lose. And this was probably the first time where it really clicked like, oh shit. Broncos are the real deal. They go down to Napier. They take on a full-strength Warriors outfit right in the midst of origin. So no Reece Walsh, no Payne no Flegler, no Carrigan, no Selwyn Cobbo. They still beat us. They did have one guy out on the park by the name of Adam Reynolds, and he just picked us apart. So Brisbane, their body of work this season is deserving of a grand final, and they were the better team. 42-12 to 12, uh, on the scoreboard. Unfortunate, we kind of fell away there uh, after that Ford pass, which let's get to the Ford pass, shall we? And I'm going to keep the same energy uh, that I had a couple of weeks ago where the Roosters were dudded by a couple of calls. I basically just said, my stance on refereeing, it is... What it is, really, I don't have the time and energy. If I got upset by every fuck-up that the referees make, it would be a pretty unfulfilling life. I'd be upset every single weekend, right? Now, the pass was forward 100%. And it was at a point in the game, like that just took all the wind out of the sails. It was 24 to 12, and I'm not making any excuses. I'll get to the fucking gist of it in a moment but it was 24 to 12 at this point so firstly that's 24 points the Warriors let in to put themselves in this situation Uh, but I was looking at this point in the game crunching the numbers I'm like we need to try I think there was maybe half an hour uh, or so to go something like that and I just remember thinking if we can score the next one Get it to 24-18. Then we're a genuine chance. In comes the Ford pass. that That's game over right there. But. Warriors. I say we. Like I was fucking out there. But I say we when we're doing well. I say we. When things don't go so well. Uh, as just a die hard supporter. But essentially. It was 24-12. So. In the NRL. You would have to be out of your mind if you don't think there is a chance of a human error, a referee, and this one was a shit one. This one was a touchy that wasn't even in line. So yeah, it pissed me off. Did it cost us the game? Not whatsoever. It didn't really have any bearing on the result. Now the timing of it, yes, that like ruined it. But... Broncos had already scored 24 points. In that play, they made a line break. Yes, there was a forward pass, but we've got to remember, all those years ago when Rugby League uh, was first created, the whole idea behind a forward pass wasn't to be, you know, micromanaging every second and check whether it floated forward. It was essentially there to just stop gridiron-like passes to make sure you're not throwing it all the way down the field. So even in this play, they made the line break. Was it a forward pass? Yes. Did the timing of, it, uh, timing of it just totally take us out of the game? Yes. Did the Warriors concede 24 points before that? Yes. So again, you've got to expect that there is going to be a human error throughout this game. You, we know. We know that the referees make mistakes. They do it. All the time. It's why we have a captain's challenge. because half the time, they get the call wrong. But we just have to live with this, right? It truly is what it is. And the worry is, at that point, like the timing of it, yes, it was super shit. But, like, we'd already conceded 24. So we were already in this position where there was no margin for error. And then the error happened on the referee's part. But that's on the Warriors for leaving no room for error, right? 24 to 12, absolutely everything had to go our way. We couldn't concede another point. I was thinking at this stage, even a two-point penalty goal and Brisbane will just be too far ahead. They're a very quality defensive team this year. And as it would turn out, the Warriors didn't score another point. Now, it would have been handy if Adam Pompey had kicked at least one of his three missed conversions, and it could have been a 24-18. But again, it is what it is. So was the Ford pass thing annoying? Absolutely. Did it cost us? No. We cost us. We left it in a position where no margin for error. And then all of a sudden there was an error. And we conceded the line break. I think... Broncos would have found a way to win, so I'm not too upset about it. I know Warriors fans sometimes we get uh, a bit of a reputation of always whinging about the refs, but to be fair, like half the time, like I said, the refs do make some pretty crap calls. Uh, but I just keep the energy of it is what it is. <laughs> like, there's nothing I can do to control it. I can't go back in time and get the touchy. To reverse that call or at least be, you know, in line with the pass so he could make a better judgment. But it is what it is. And after that, the floodgates open 42 to 12. So, Broncos, I think, would have got the job done anyway. And the Ford pass, like, you can't take anything away from Brisbane's performance. They didn't just roll into Suncorp and just produce that. One great performance. They earned that game at Suncorp through an entire season of consistent excellence. So they deserve it. I'm just fucking happy to be here as a Warriors fan, to be honest. Like, so immensely proud. The staff, the fans, the coach, the players, everyone. So immensely proud of this turnaround. Uh, For the longest time, the Warriors brand has been associated with mediocrity. So much so, that growing up in New Zealand, a lot of the guys I hung out with and played footy with, they go for the eels or go for the rabbitos, never even fucking lived in Sydney. So half the time, even Kiwis weren't supporting the Warriors. So for the first time in a long time, there is genuine pride in the jersey, Uh, there's some serious momentum, not just for the Warriors, but for Rugby League in New Zealand as a whole. Also, what they did through COVID, all those sacrifices, everything that led up to this season. I'm just immensely proud uh, to see them at this point. And what excites me the most is that hopefully this is the return of being there come the final series, because since 2011, it's been miserable. One finals appearance that we got knocked straight out of. Other than that, like by the time September rolls around, I'm just like, fucking Green Day. Wake me up before, when September ends. Because Warriors usually fade out of the season. I forgot. I forgot how good the NRL is when your team is going well. I was always tuning in. I mean, I was still doing the podcast week in, week out. But I forgot just how much better the footy is when your team's doing well. And hopefully, you know, Tigers. I want to see Tigers be the next one. I'd like to see Bulldogs rise up, Dragons, things like that. Uh, But they've been in grand finals somewhat recently. Tigers have been down for such a long time. So, Tigers fans, I would like you soon to get to experience what I experienced this year. And who knows? It could be as soon as next season. I know that seems quite far-fetched, but you told me a year ago, this time last year, that Warriors would be there in a preliminary final. I wouldn't have believed you. So, fantastic season. Sean Johnson, I believe, will go on to win the Dele M. Dallin a Lesniak in this game broke the record for most tries by a Warrior in a single season. So he's overtaken Francis Malley on the telly, and of course, David Fusatua. So all in all, huge pass mark. As a Warriors fan, big green tick. Now the most important thing is to work hard to get back here this time next year. And to be honest, I've seen a lot of changes in the Warriors. I said it to my friends this year, like this is a different Warriors team. From watching them closely my entire life, the resilience on display this year was just something that was so foreign to me as a Warriors fan. So in years past, maybe a successful season would be parlayed back into a failed one. But I don't think the club's ever been in a stronger position to give themselves a real crack at getting back to this stage next season. So it's very exciting. But let me spend a bit of time on the Brisbane Broncos. Winners of this game. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast all year, you would know my five levels to win a premiership coming from a bloke who has zero. So you'd know this is some real legit shit. Uh, now, phase one of the competition, round one to magic round. So you come in off the preseason, everyone's excited. Everyone still feels like they're a realistic shot. Uh, so rounds one to magic round... That's phase one, right? And by the time we get to magic round, I mean, we knew that the Tigers probably weren't going to play in finals. Like, you know, just a little bit more than you did at the start of the season because you've had nine or so rounds to see some things play out, but still a lot of footy to be played. Phase two, and firstly, Broncos in phase one were as good as any side. For me, phase one, Best sides: Broncos, Panthers, and Rabbitohs. At the end of phase one, actually, Rabbitohs were my front runners, and that was about the end of that. That was about as far as their run actually went. So Broncos killed it in that first phase. Came out, start the season 3-0. That leads in to the Battle of Brisbane. Dolphins also 3-0. Like that was such a wild start to the season. Brisbane start very, very hot. Phase one, massive tick. Phase two, Magic Round, are through Origin, another massive tick. So, phase two, I started at Magic Round, all the fans gathered in one place, all the teams are there. And that's really the start of that next level of excitement. Magic Round for the NRL, but also it's just letting us know, State of Origin right around the corner. So through that period, magic round through origin, this is where I expected Brisbane to face their biggest challenges. They were without Reese Walsh quite a few times, without Cobbo, Flegler, Haas, Carrigan, but they had Adam Reynolds. And they were masterful through that origin period. They did not miss a beat, and it put them in good stead for phase three, post-origin in the run to the final series. Phase three, again, fantastic, phenomenal. They achieve a second-place finish, even go into the final round with a sniff of claiming the minor premiership. So as far as the regular season, all three phases, massive tick. Now, we can see some sides, like the Rabbitohs, could be amazing for one phase, but not a lot of teams could put it all together. Again, Cowboys, Eels, they were ones who... Maybe in that middle phase, put together some of the best football out of any team. But across all phases, they let themselves down. Poor starts, uh, poor finishes as well. Broncos consistent through those three phases. Phase number four, the beginning of final series. Regular season into finals, intensity lifts tenfold. So that's level four. Broncos come out 26-0 against Melbourne Storm, that is as big a tick as you're gonna get. Then they come out 42-12 against the Warriors, another massive tick, phase five, the grand final. It's gonna require that extra level once again. But what encourages me a lot is that every step of the way, Brisbane have ticked the boxes. And I mentioned Last week in the preview podcast, about these five levels, and I said it was pretty clear, seemingly, there were only two teams in this premiership race who had that fifth level, and it was Broncos, it was Panthers. I think that has been proven uh, by the blowout score lines in the preliminary finals. That was not English, but we'll move on. Uh, So, Broncos. They are, without a doubt, hands down, the team to challenge Penrith. There is no other club from this season that I think can get it done. Like, Warriors, if we had made it, would have been a massive ask. I mean, look at just a couple of weeks ago. Panthers, just head and shoulders above us. So Brisbane, it makes sense. Shattered as a Warriors fan that it can't be us. But if I take my Warriors hat off, just from a rugby league perspective, this was the best possible grand final. We've got the Panthers, who were once the young, hungry contenders, now turned powerhouses, and the Brisbane Broncos. For the longest time, they were the powerhouse. Now, coming off the darkest era in the club's history, it is Brisbane who are the young, hungry contenders. Reece Walsh, Pat Carrigan, Payne Haas, Tom Flegler, Herbie Farnworth, Staggs, Cobbo, all through this team, Ezra Mam. There are young blokes who are so hungry to taste premiership success, and that makes Brisbane very dangerous. Then you throw in Adam Reynolds. This entire narrative with Adam Reynolds, who he himself... Just a couple of years ago, took Penrith on in the grand final, missed a very costly conversion. Maybe Adam thought he would never get another crack at taking down this dominant Penrith outfit. And I'm sure Adam thought if he was ever going to get a crack, it would be in red and green. Here he is as a Brisbane Bronco. Broncos fans would be saying, thank you very much. South Sydney they've left been left with egg on their face now. South the Lachlan Elias call didn't seem to work out. It's hard with hindsight, right? Because if they had re-signed Adam Reynolds and he was injured heaps and all of that, then you know, we look at it from a different lens. But clearly now we can see who won that decision. The Brisbane Broncos. Reynolds has taken them from a team that could put together maybe 50 minutes of football, but toward the back end of games, they would just drop off completely. Adam Reynolds was the catalyst for a major change. We see all these young Brisbane players just a couple of years ago could have been scarred for life. Careers really set back by some of the darkest days. Reynolds comes in, the guys, the young fellas, they get on the back of it. Here they are. Kirk Capewell, another one. Uh, Was it at the Sharks when they won the Premiership? Was it the Panthers when they won the Premiership? So they do have a couple of guys there that can pass on, you know, the knowledge, what to expect in grand final week. But I think it's very dangerous. That is one point of difference for the Broncos, is having a side that haven't tasted Premiership success. Because then when you have to dig deep, I really think they will have it in them to go all the way with the Panthers. Now, Penrith, what I find um, most admirable about them, going into this grand final, they seem as hungry as they ever were. That young side in 2020, the hunger of a side looking to prove themselves, back-to-back premierships later, The Panthers still have that same energy. They don't carry themselves uh, like they think they're just going to walk in and get it done. I know a lot of people find the Panthers arrogant. I have nothing but respect for Penrith. I have loved this run. And at the same time as well, it's National Rugby League, not National fucking modesty competition. Like you can be a little bit arrogant if you want. I tell you what. If I won back-to-back NRL premierships, fuck me, Dad. You would not want to know me. I'd tell anyone. I'd be saying the same shit. I'd be like, "I'm Parramatta's daddy." I'd say even fucking worse, you know. So one thing I mentioned as well last year, uh, right after the grand final, when there were all these things of like, "Oh, Penrith should be more humble," you know, what fucking sore winners, you know, really rubbing it in. I said this time last year. If you have a problem with it, or if these NRL teams find it arrogant, you know what you can do about it? You can fucking beat them. That's the best way to get back at them. Here we are going into the 2023 grand final. No one's done it. No one's done it yet. So you want to call them arrogant? I call it confident. And I enjoy it a hell of a lot. And you know what? Even if they were arrogant, even if they're coming out talking mad shit, It adds to the game, and it makes it so much better when someone beats them, especially if it's actually your team that does it. So Panthers, I don't have a problem at all with the way they carry themselves. In fact, I love it. They are the team to beat. Can the Broncos do it? That's going to be the big question. Saved for this week. Let's call the podcast here, because i got a grand final preview. To record, I said I wanted to go around an hour. We've passed the hour mark that was the weekend wrap. preliminary finals, done and dusted. Thanks for coming, Melbourne storm. Thanks, warriors, for everything this season, despite losing in a prelim massive massive success. I will take that every day of the week, and I can't wait for twenty twenty four But now let's set our sights. On the grand final ahead of us, Brisbane Broncos, Penrith Panthers. I expect the preview podcast out on Thursday, and I'll be doing a separate NRLW grand final podcast as well. So plenty on my plate. I better fucking get on to the next recording, right? So thank you for listening as always. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And most importantly, Enjoy the footy this weekend, enjoy grand final week.